Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Well, that's good. That's good to know. Yeah. 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 But you know, women women are a little bit more, you know, we're, we're not gonna go out and say some stuff like that, especially with what's going on in the world. No one's gonna do that. But you try to say women are smarter, basically. I didn't want to say and gentlemen welcome to the crack podcast all right ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the crack podcast so happy to be here with my co-hosts demarcus beasley and gucci Anyewu. i am mauricio mookie wilson and uh welcome to the crack what's going on fellas what's up Beasy? look upset buddy <laughs> 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 How you gonna make me laugh right off, right off rip? <laughs> hey man, I had a procedure this week, so my 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 uh, my facial expression won't be as normal as usual. <laughs> For all y'all that don't know, B's got some Botox and facelifting. So he's not able to move his face. Uh, I got I got my four wisdom teeth taken out this week. Damn. And yeah, all four at once. I talked to the dentist, and he was like, he's like, yeah, you need to get these out. And I was like, okay, I'll do two now, two later. He's like, nah, 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 nah. He's like, it's better. Do all four, get them all out, get them done. So I was like, cool. So I got them out. They out. My, my, my jaw hurt like a motherfucker. <laughs> my, especially my right side. But uh, it's cool. This man so is talking like. Uh, you can, you can like, see it. You can see it. I mean. He's talking uh, like Kanye through the wire. Word. Ooh, good one, good one. <laughs> word. Word. But all good. All good. That's what's up. So I think uh, Mookie got a nice little haircut. The bangs are popping today. <laughs> <laughs> he fluffed them out today. Gooch, how you feeling, man? man? I'm great. I'm great. You know, springtime's here. Got to take my Zyrtec and my allergy medicine every damn morning so I don't die from the pollen. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all got, you got your shots? Yeah, I got, I got vaccines. You got both? Yeah, I got both. Uh, I need to get mine. I think I'll get mine in what, two weeks? My first one. Yeah. It's uh it's a it's a liberating feeling, even if like I, I, I'm gonna be the first to admit, like at first I was I was like, I don't know, this joint came out too quick. I don't mm. but then now I'm just like, you know, let's let's try and get back to some kind of normalcy. Let's let's you know, feel comfortable going out, you know what I mean? Even though yeah. you still got masks and stuff, you you wanna feel more confident when you're when you're places. So right. Well, I'm so excited about our guest today. Uh, we have footballer Sarah Gordon joining us, and uh, we're gonna do something a little bit different. We're gonna have Sarah join us from the beginning, um, so we can kind of uh, get her point of view on not just about her career, but so many topics that's going on currently in the climate of uh, soccer and as well as the, as the real world. So I'm gonna go right here and introduce to us into our crew, the crack crew, not only the gifted footballer from Chicago U.S. Women's National Team, but also a model, an entrepreneur, a community activist, 
and more importantly, a mother. Let's give a big up to Miss Sarah Gordon. Thank you, Sarah. Can you hear us? All right, we got your audio a little bit. Yeah. Um, robotic. Robotic. Maybe get your audio out and on again. Can you hear me now? That I can hear you perfectly. Yeah. Hi. I've been having this problem. It's how you doing, Sarah? I'm good. How you guys doing? We've been trying to snack you on this show for like a year now. She's been ducking and dodging us, man. We're happy to have you on the show. <laughs> I know, but I was like, it's time. It's time for me to go on the show. It's time. <laughs> stop, stop faking. You know, you're going on all these other shows. We're like, what about us? <laughs> Light skin love. That's what I call it. <laughs> <laughs> B's always hating. Don't know. Listen, he's always hating on it. He's always hating. <laughs> Don't hey, worry Saturday, about him. Saturday, keep it real. We usually bring on our guests towards the later of our show, talked about their career, soccer, but knowing that you're such a multifaceted um, businesswoman and you're also a journalist, you're also a commentator, you're also an actress, we want to make sure, and also more importantly, um, you do so much for the community. There's so much things going on in the world right now. We definitely wanted you a part of that conversation as a whole. And we, and we, we look at you as like the fourth member of the crack. So I hope you feel comfortable <laughs> with us. I'm just an eyeball out. <laughs> she sucks cool. tea with that. It's <laughs> <laughs> cool. But Sarah, where you where you are calling us from, and um, how you feeling today? I'm in Chicago, of course, pretty much always, and I'm doing okay. I had a game last night, so just recovering, chilling. You know, the usual after game routine. <laughs> it's a tough loss, man. I actually got a chance to check out the game and a huge battle. And, uh, you know, you, you guys, game could have went either way, you know? And as a defender, how frustrated was it for you not to see some of those opportunities being scored? Yeah, it's frustrating. I mean, obviously, as a line, our goal this year is we have a lot of veterans in our line. We want to be organized. We want to be smart. We know that we have a very athletic line, which sets us apart from a lot of other uh, back lines in the league. But, I mean, they had about two chances in the game, and it's so frustrating, you know, the way that it played out. Um, but yeah, that's always my biggest concern. And I know like the girls who play next to me is our backline organization, what we're doing, you know, for making sure we're on the same page. So that's our concern. Obviously we still have some, some things we need to work out. Um, but game two, you know, challenge. Game two. So how, how, Sarah, how's my, uh, my hometown girl, uh, settling in Sarah killing. Oh, now she's, uh, what's it? Wodemo now? Wodemo, yeah. Wodemo. Yeah. How's she settling yeah. in? She's honestly a good, a great player. She started, uh, I guess it was her first start, but she's just like a great presence to have. She's a leader, you know, she's mm -hmm. a very composed player. So it's great to play around her, be around her. She's been super supportive of everything going on in the world. So I, I do appreciate her as a player. And a That's what's up. Yeah. You know, I got to give a shout out to my Fort Wayne people, you know what I'm saying? There ain't many of us in the, in the professional oh, ranks. Yeah. Yeah. I'm from Fort Wayne. So uh, we um, ask her if she knows where that, ask her if she knows what that is on the map. <laughs> she should. It's only like what three hours from Chicago. Indiana, that's all I know. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> she probably didn't know Sarah's from Fort Wayne. She's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> so you ain't telling me you ain't, you've never been to the great city of Fort Wayne, Indiana? I have. I, I've been to a bunch of places in Indiana. I'm not sure if I've been to Fort Wayne. I really <laughs> Gucci me is sure. She's like, listen, I'm out of Georgia. Yeah, she's right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I ain't been there. She, you seriously, if you you go through it, you'll miss it. It, it's a it's the second biggest city in Indiana, but it ain't that big. But it's cool. It's home. You know what I'm saying? It's home. Yeah. 
But Sal, you're from big city of Chicago. I mean, how crazy is it for you to go to college and get drafted by the hometown team? I mean, don't you want to come to play in New York, the new Gotham FC? Don't you need to get out of there? <laughs> I mean, I actually like what's going on in New York. I like how they've incorporated the city. I like it. But, you know, I'm a Chicago girl, so <laughs> I can be here. I want to be here, you know? She likes her blizzards in the wintertime. <laughs> <laughs> We're actually supposed to get snow in like a few days. We always crazy. Wow. I ain't gonna lie, Chicago's my is my favorite city. I mean, I you know, I lived there for four years um, okay. before I went to Europe. Um, so uh I did that is my favorite, but only in the summertime. Only in the summertime. <laughs> well, that's only like two months out of the year. Straight up, straight up. Because you know, I live I lived in the um, you know, the pres presidential towers. What you mean? She she knows she, she's from Chicago. See, this is why we don't incorporate bees in any conversation. She likes to she, drop little crumbs around. You know, I I'm just saying uh, she's from Chicago, so she knows the played in five where, World Cups. I didn't say all that. I said something about Chicago. I own a all I'm saying, I, I own a professional club. I own a pro team. <laughs> uh, you know what? All right, cool. All right, never mind. I, I just let y'all go. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Keep going. I ain't gonna say shit else. I ain't gonna oh, say shit else. <laughs> now, nah, but but, but Sal, I think we want to start off um, talking about uh, your foundation. Um, is it Hood Space? Yeah, Hood Space. And I love the name, but just give us a little bit of input on you know how that was started, and also what's going on up to date. Is it Hood Space or Hood Space Shy? Uh, shy? So no, it's whatever you want it to be. It's Hood oh, Space. There we go. Shy. It doesn't really matter. Um, but I started it last year when everything was going on in the world and we were all just stuck in the house, like reflecting. And I'm like, yo, like, how can I go actually make a difference in my city? And I feel like yoga, meditation, they were just two things, two outlets that really like turned around my mental health and made me a better player, a better person, a better mom. Um, so I was just, you know, it just hit me like I can kind of use these outlets and, and bring yoga meditation to black girls here in Chicago. You know, obviously systemic racism runs really deep, especially here in Chicago. So I, I just thought that, you know, maybe I could do it. So the mission of Hood Space is um, helping girls of color and black girls in Chicago find a space of flow through yoga meditation and of course sport. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like the mission of, of That's Namo. dope. That's dope. Awesome. Bees, are you yoga? Well, I tried it. I'm not very flexible, so <laughs> that's why you need to do yoga. It did, it didn't work for me. Yeah, we had yeah, yes, but it's hard. People it's don't understand hard. how hard yoga is, though, because we tried it. I mean, we tried it once when I was in Scotland um, with Rangers. We tried it for like maybe a week. It didn't last because all the boys said they didn't like it. We tried a little bit in Houston uh, the last time I was at. Uh, they we tried it maybe we tried it for a while, maybe like six months, and some of the boys liked it, some of the boys didn't. Then it was. It was a, it was an optional thing. Some guys wanted to go, some guys didn't, and then after that. But I mean, it's it's cool. Like the the teacher was cool. I, I like to try new things. You know what I'm saying? So it's not like I was the one complaining. I I just couldn't do it. You know what I'm saying? Like my I if I was a little more flexible and I could, you know, if I got myself into it a little more, I could probably, you know, I could, you know, see the uh, see the fruitation of it. But as far as me not being as flexible and especially. And towards the end of my career where I'm the old grumpy, the old grumpy player where I have my own ways of doing things, you know what I'm saying? So it was a little bit of that. Long story short, bees can't move. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people can't get past the like the discomfort of it, but that's yeah. 
be part of the process. Really. Right, right. I, I thought it was all stretching. I didn't realize how hard and intense. Like you come out of there tired, fatigued. Yeah. You know, but but it, it strengthens your core. And you know, for me as an old man, I need it. So I signed up for. I met the Groupon, got my little um, yearly pass, and then COVID hit. So I wasn't able to kind of. Uh, that's, like, a, that's an excuse. Sounds, yep. Sounds that's like an excuse. Me. That's just an excuse. So, you, so you, you, you've been going to yoga now? Now that COVID's kind of. I ain't there yet. I just got vaccinated. Now I'm ready to start thinking about <laughs> it again. You know what See? I mean? But, but I love that you spoke about mental health because, um, as you know, you know, performance on the field, half of it is mental. You know, I think I heard about you discovered that. And, um, and uh, talk to us a little bit about what, how you went through that process and also how did that change your game? Yeah, so like my rookie year, the transition from college to pro, I just, I had so much anxiety on the field. Yeah. I, you know, every time I got the ball, I was like, ah, I didn't even want the ball at some point, yeah. like some points of it. So I was just like, I can't live like this. The main reason I started um, like the mental health journey and found yoga meditation is because I was like, I want to be a better soccer player. You know, you're young. Like, it's really all you care about is being a good athlete you know, people telling you like, you're a great player. So that's really why I started, like I found yoga meditation, but like through the process of doing it, like it just transformed so many parts of my life and like really helped me make space for any feeling good, bad, you know, whatever comes, um, comes, you know, through my mind and my heart. And so it just like really was transformative for me in so many ways. And like, it sounds cliche, but like it, it truly, like it just creates space in your life. It doesn't even necessarily like make your life it makes your life better because you know you're not fighting everything that's going on in certain mm. who uh how who introduced you to yoga like or you're like oh i'm just gonna try it or did somebody like hey girl you need to you need to try this out or how, how does that come about so i'm like a big nonfiction reader and it, like i would always read like self-help books and psychology mm. books and so some of them would just talk about pretty much all the ones i were read was reading were like you need to do meditation first. And like, right. that was the hardest thing to start. Cause I'm like, yo, I don't want to sit here with my eyes closed. Like my mind is racing. But then from there, you know, starting to meditate a little each day, I just realized that like, I find a lot of presence in like, you know, being one with feeling my body, you know, sensation, stretching, stuff like that, which is an athlete, like, you know how it is. So that's really what, what got me into yoga and it, and it can be stretching. It doesn't have to be super complicated, but it's just the fact that you're present and you're there through the discomfort, through whatever's going on that, that like really makes it like brings you into mindfulness. Yeah. I've tried yoga. Not, I didn't go to a studio. I bought it back when this is how old I am. I'm, I'm speaking on my age. I bought a DVD <laughs> and I, I, I did it. I did it at home. Listen, we don't need you to laugh. All right, chill. Yeah, look at her chill, face. Chill, she chill. said, yeah, "No, I what?" because that would have been a lot. Yeah, no, 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 I ain't gonna say VCR. I bought DVD. I started doing it, and, and it, I think one, I didn't know my knees could bend like it did after a certain period of time. Like in the beginning, I was like, ah, "Damn!" But then after a while, I was like, "Oh, like five weeks ago, I couldn't do this, but now I can." And the aspect of meditation and yoga that I think you touched on that. I found impressive for me, but just also in my prayer life is like people find it hard to shut off and like just be in self and their minds are always thinking, oh, what do I got to buy tomorrow? What do I got to go to this to just like shut off? So I like for me, uh, I can really relate to that. Like, for example, this this period of Easter for Lent, I gave up like a couple hours a day. I just turned off my phone, turned off my phone. 
And for me, that's hard because my phone's always pinging, whether it's emails, messages, WhatsApps, you know, my company's uh, social media, all that stuff. And I do. Oh, you, sorry. I mean, I, I'm not a prof- I'm not an owner of a professional. He's so, he's so popular <laughs> that his phone is always going on. Wow, wow. <laughs> it's usually one of these knuckleheads texting me. But uh, I think it's, it's, it's amazing that when people can kind of disconnect to reconnect with themselves. And, and I think that's a very important aspect of just self-help, you know, and, and, uh, and I'm glad you, you spoke on that a little bit. Yeah, it's definitely something that our community doesn't really have a lot of experience from, you know. So when I saw you do that, I said, man, she hit on the head because I wish I knew about that when I was growing up. I wish I knew about that when I was an athlete. Um, so I think it's so important, especially for young women. And um, but tell us a little bit about. You know, being from Chicago and, you know, representing Chicago stars, do you feel any red stars? Do you feel any pressure Do you, uh, playing in front of your hometown, knowing that, you know, uh, situations like the finals, losing in the finals and you have to remain in Chicago while the rest of your teammates can leave and go, and go to other states? I mean, w- w- I know there's a lot of good that comes with it. Is there any negatives that come with playing in your hometown? Yo, you know, I was just thinking about this yesterday, like, the idea of playing in front of my hometown, I love. Like, yeah, sure, like, there's butterflies, anxiety before a game. But, I mean, I love it. I love, you know, being here in the city and actually, like, knowing the community and being able to represent them on the field. But, like, I feel so much more pressure when it comes to, like, everything that's going on with social justice and all that. Like, that's where I feel pressure because I'm like, oh, I need to do something. That I feel yeah. so much more pressure in my responsibility to that than I like being able to get on the field and take my mind off of everything. Like, I love to be able to do that. I feel so much more pressure in like other aspects representing the city. And, and you know, B, she had an incident this past uh, weekend in Houston, um, you know, dealing with the playing against a dash and playing at your old stadium. Um, she had a situation with her boyfriend and security. Um, Sarah, you gonna tell us a little bit about that. I don't want to tell your story, but take us through what happened after the game and uh, give us a little bit more details on that experience. Well, I can't like speak too much to it just because there is an investigation going on and I want to like respect everything that the league is doing for that. And also I don't want to get fined. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's just like, I, and my boyfriend and I have talked about this a million times. Like, it, it, I mean, y'all know it's part of the black experience, the black family experience. You know, you you have to follow the rules more closely, or, or you know, you're you go into a restaurant, and the server's not not paying as much attention to you, or you're trying to talk to your girlfriend after the game, and security follows your girlfriend around instead of the other people on the field, the white people that are talking to family. And so, it, it it's frustrating. It, it's frustrating yeah. it's maddening um for me what was more frustrating was the response to the experience yeah, I, I was going to say that as well yeah yeah that, that was the part that that actually started to make me really emotional what part um, of it I mean so the statements that were made by other clubs and just the response from everyone involved in the league I just you know, like if we're committed to anti-racism, then we need to create space for people to come forward because at the end of the day, like there, there's so much change that needs to happen. And to think that we're, that, that allies and advocates and white people are just going to all of a sudden get it right. And no one's going to be discriminatory is not true. So we need to make space for people to be able to talk about their experiences and like, not everyone needs to get fired right away. Like we can have conversations and learn. Yes. 
And, right. and yeah, that's that's, it needs to be. It's always like, oh no, like this is going to happen. You know, like it's going to be a scandal. Like, no, we need to create space for for these and to talk about these things, and so people can actually learn and grow from them. Yes, yeah, instead of you know, and I was I'm the same, Sarah. I, I was disappointed with the response um, that the Houston uh, Dash gave. Uh, obviously, they gave a, a apology after it um, and said they dropped, they missed the mark, as the the word they used. Um, but the fact that they're so quick to just boggle in everything in their own little bottle and say, no, that didn't happen. Uh, we're going to concentrate on just what we, what we know. That's, that's the disheartening part. You know what I'm saying? They didn't take the time to, okay, listen to, to what you said, take into account what you said and actually really understand like that is a, a form of racism, you know what I'm saying? And it happened in your stadium, but they were so, they were so protective of their own brand and their own, their own self. And because it happened in their stadium, they didn't even, they didn't even, they didn't even mention Sarah by name. I got a question for you three, because I, I find this interesting one, because last few days I've been posting a lot on my social media story and I've had people, white people actually respond in disdain to what I've been posting about uh, Dante Wright and all this stuff. What is your perspective on non-minorities commenting on what is discrimination and what is not discrimination, right? Like how are they, for me, I'm like, yo, this is BS. How are you gonna tell me how discrimination is towards my demographic based on how you perceive it should be or should look like, right? Like that's really annoying me because, <laughs> I was chilling one evening and <clears throat> the person responded to a story saying, did you know the whole story of Dante Wright? I'm like, what whole story? He's like, yeah, nobody deserves to be killed. But there was a story that he held a woman at gunpoint and robbed her. And I was like, okay. I was like, so are you, you said there's no excuse. So why are you sharing me this prior news as an explanation as to why he got killed right now? I was like, there was in that instant, there was nothing that warranted being murdered and and being the, guilty doesn't warrant you being murdered as well exactly and i and i was trying to, the funny thing i was trying to explain to him in a calm i didn't lash out didn't want to hear it he couldn't he couldn't get get through the thickness of what his belief is so i'm, I'm curious as to what you think probably more sarah than you knuckleheads but what you think uh in regards to like a white person telling you nah that's not racist that's not discrimination and you're sitting here and be like wait what like, how, how is the oppressor going to justify how the oppressed is perceiving your actions, right? I feel like I've made it very clear on my social media that if you are a white person, then you do not get to dictate what is racist, what isn't, what is discriminatory, what isn't. Like, that's, that's not where we're at. Like, you get to listen to, to what people of color have to say about it. And honestly, I don't think there can be anything more to it than that. But like, when I think about what happened last week, I think the most surprising thing was, and I, I won't get specific with it. I'll just say that there were people within the league that came, that I found out that didn't believe what happened happened or thought that I was throwing a race card. Wow. And that was the hardest thing for me to hear because I thought that, I thought that I was in a league with, you know, people dedicated to this. Woke mm -hmm. allies. Exactly. And the first, the, the, the biggest issue is if you don't believe me, then we can't even have the rest of the conversation. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. It's crazy. Cause it, it's almost like they, 
they're like, oh, it's the boy that cried wolf. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this is Sarah. She's she's just going on her tangent about, you know, suppression. Oh, it's another story. Sarah's just doing this. And we're like, yo, <laughs> if what well, instead of thinking like that, think that the fact if she's doing this so many times, there's probably an issue. <laughs> right. I, it's crazy to me that people didn't know that this like people just thought that after the last year, this doesn't happen anymore. It's, it's over. It's over. Right. Yeah. <laughs> now, it, it's it's sad. It's, it really is sad. Right. Because it shows you how much work that still needs to be done and how far we are from from getting to equality. Right. In terms of disrespect as a race. Right. And as human beings. And for you to be in a situation at work and to have your family member, somebody you love to deal with this, you know, it affects the job and affects how you play for that club, how you play for that league. And I think we just, we're going to face a lot of this coming for the next couple of years because everybody puts a social media quote, they put a meme together, stand by you, blah, blah, blah. That's so easy. It takes five minutes, put on Canva. And then now they have to actually show it. And then we're going to see that we're not going to get that support. So what do we do next? Sarah, what do we do next? How do we continue that conversation and how do we get to the point where we can actually have these things come to fruition? I don't know completely, but I, I think that one change that I've seen is right now we have the space to talk about it and I don't think we've already had that space, which is a good thing. You know, obviously <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't mean that much, but, but that's a good start. It's a start. And then going forward, it's like, not everyone is, is as committed as you think. And so just being able to like get a few more perspectives every time, you know, we open up and we talk about these things and a few more people listen and a few more people see, you know, what we're saying in our points. It's it just a few people every time, then like, I think that we're starting to really gain ground. Sometimes it, it can be depressing because I'm like, wow, what yeah. is like, are we getting anywhere? But I, I'm trying to keep my head on straight and like keep moving. So I have to be optimistic about it personally. And I think bees, we have to keep on pushing the pedal to the metal, right? We can't just now that um, people are putting up memes and people are so so-called woke that we just stop, right? Or we say we, we did enough, right? I think we have to kind of continue and keep on building the blocks, you know, bees. And and you're a person who played in Houston. You're a person who played in the league. You know, people like yourself and Gooch and Sarah speaking out about it and keeping the conversation going. We're going to have to force them. Let me tell you something. Nothing has ever been changed through through being polite. It has to be through, you know, it has to be through force. Right. And we have to put our foot down and we have to be brave. And that's the scary part. Right. We have to put, we have to sacrifice sometimes our careers, sometimes our 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 image. Right. And our friendship to make a difference. And And, and are we brave enough to do it? And, and, and that's a question we have to ask within, you know, and, and Sarah, you have done that. I, I, I agree. No, go ahead. No, go no, ahead. Go, go, go ahead, boy. No, I was, just, I was just saying I agree, you know, and I think that when people, and I'm not saying that the the the, the Dynamo and DAS, well, the DAS organization and Houston in general, oh. um, they, they're, I don't want to go as far because I was with the organization for, you know, five and a half years. Um, I know they have some good people in their, in the organization. Uh, I don't know who's running <laughs> their media, social media content, you know, and I'm, it's not that I'm giving them a pass, but, you know, this was a chance for, you know, for, for the dash to, to really show that they're behind, you know, stopping racism out of, of the game, out of society. And this was a, a point where they dropped the ball. 
or granted, they did make a, a statement and apology and say that they 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 were off the mark in their first comment. But you know, I just think that, like you said, the communication still has to keep. Uh, you know, we still got to put the the pedal to the metal on what we're trying to you know get across and have got to have these uncomfortable conversations with different people. I think I think a huge part about change in any aspect, not just racial, but anything, is the acknowledgement of someone being wrong. Because in order to change something, you have to be like, oh, shoot, we, we, we got this wrong. And a lot of people, a lot of institutions have an innate issue with saying that they were wrong. Nobody wants to be wrong, right? Mookie, you know, I never want to be wrong. Oh, like, my nobody... God. <laughs> All right, stop. All right, stop. That's enough. Stop. <laughs> nobody wants to be wrong. But at the end of the day, if anything's going to change, if the needle's going to be moved, like they have to acknowledge like what's been going on is wrong. The way you've been functioning is wrong. What you, the way you've been treating us as a whole is wrong. The way you've been treating uh, minorities is wrong. Marginalized communities, it's wrong. And it was created wrongly. And the only way to change that is if you guys can say, yes, we agree. And then we can stay, take steps together instead of being such a fractured community of, I don't believe this person, this didn't happen. This, you know what I mean? Uh, for me, it's like, Make the first big step, like like Mookie said, be be courageous. Hey, one one big step though, Gooch can be, um, you know, what happened in Minnesota that the cop can be convicted and and see time in prison. You know, we know he won't get life, but would he get at least 10, 15 years? Um, and that doesn't bring back, you know, George Floyd, but I guess it's a start, and. I'm gonna keep it real. I don't see him going to prison. Come on, stop it. And and, it's, and that's that's the, and that's just the the the. I want to be hopeful, like Sarah said, and we want to be uh, positive. But I have to take the past in consideration, and I don't see this man going to. I see somehow in Minnesota a jury of people from Minnesota finding a way not to find this man to go to prison. And, and if that happens, again, it's a start, right? If he gets five years, bees, is that okay? No. Exactly. I mean, he murdered someone in front of millions of people. Millions of people. No, that's not enough. You know, and, and, and this has been going on, on and on. And the, the only difference now is the video. And I'm from Jamaica, Queens, and Sean Bell, who was a friend of mine, who was murdered by a police officer on the day before he was getting married, you know, um, shot in the car while the car was driving. You know, these are things that's been going on and the cop never got charged, never got convicted. So even the standing trial is one thing, but for him pleading fifth, I think that he's, he's going to find a, they're going to find a way to get him off, you know? And that's when he goes into the mental health space, you know, you know, we're adults, we're 30 plus and, and, you know, mothers and, and, and fathers, but, you know, the kids coming up today, what do they think? You know, I grew up as a black male coming out of New York City that I didn't think I was going to live past 25. When I got to 23, I started saying, okay, I could plan for the future. That's common. Sarah, you have a son, right? And you had him early in, while you were in college, correct? Yeah. One, tell us about, you know, having a son so early and still being a rock star of a woman, an athlete, a model, and then two, you know, what you hope for him in the next 10, 20 years? Well, 
quite a transition. Into <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like, I mean, well, it, it transitions, but it bleeds, it bleeds good. into, it bleeds into right. it. Right. Yeah. Like y'all heard what's been going on in Chicago with the 13 year old Adam Toledo. So it's like, yeah. I was just talking to my boyfriend last night, like, we have conversations with our black sons about, you know, how to act, what to do. And who that really like that threw me. It is so, I can't not get emotional about it, but yes, I did have a son when I was in college. Um, when I was 21, I had him and I was at DePaul obviously. And, um, you know, in, in the soccer world, a predominantly white sport, people don't have babies. When they're they going to judge you. They're going to look at you like, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. So that, that was a difficult experience. Um, but was I, your coach supportive? At first, nobody was supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone they touch you. Everyone was like, we're so disappointed this, that, you know, so it, wow. it was kind of a mess, honestly. Um, but now I'm at a place where I, I love that I'm 28 with a seven year old. Like I love that I had a kid young. I love that he gets to be around my Part team of your growth. Yep. in the locker room. Yeah. He loves the sport. He just started playing clubs. So, I mean, I'm in a place now where like, I, I love being a mom, um, especially my son. So, yeah. And, and Sarah, I wanted to bring that up because, you know, when I was like in college, uh, a girlfriend of mine who, um, uh, was a black player on the women's team, you know, she had a child. And everybody kind of just act like she wasn't a part of the the the, the, um, the athletic department anymore. And they gave her no support. And I felt so bad. And again, she was the only, maybe it was two black girls on the team and she was one of them. And they looked at her and judged her. She's 21 years old. Right. right? That's a blessing. Right. And it happens. And it happens. But in the soccer world, in a space where in, it's looked as like, oh, my God. And you still was able to get drafted. You still came back and your team won the Big East championship for the first time to pull. And the first um, soccer player, woman soccer player to get drafted out of the pool. I mean, that just shows of the character and the courage and the fight that you have. You know, tell us a little bit about like maybe is it your background, your upbringing, what made you so, I think, tough? I don't know you personally, but you seem to be a solid, strong woman. Well, I was born on the North side. This is my full background, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was adopted. Uh, so I lived in Elk Grove, right next to the airport um, suburb my whole life. I was adopted by two white parents in a white community. Um, but I just feel like, I feel like, you know, it, it, I don't know if it makes sense, but like, I feel like when you're adopted, it's like you are automatically tough, like you're automatically yeah. thrown into a, a different yeah. situation. But, you know, like I am grateful that I went to DePaul and my parents lived here. So I did have a support system after mm-hmm. I had my son. Um, and, and I'm really grateful for that. It was just like getting to the point to the point <laughs> was difficult for everyone around. But yeah, I mean. I don't know if I could I could have, have done it if I didn't have family in Chicago. Wow. I didn't know you were adopted. Look at that. Yeah, that I, had no clue. I had no clue. Yeah. <laughs> you said you were adopted by white parents? Yeah. Have they been supportive in response to you being so very vocal in these last year plus moments? Um <laughs> yeah. You know what? Like when I say I would, lived in a white suburb, like, I mean, like a white Fox News, okay. like uh, okay. in a suburb, like, yeah. that, that I lived in. So, it, it, you know, that that's what I learned in my house growing up. So to some degree, like, I can understand why people are the way they are, because that's mm-hmm. how I was raised. I yeah. just, you know, yeah. my life 
is much different, but yeah. So they're, they're, they're growing and they're trying to be as supportive as they can. Yes. Right. They're learning. Yeah. Sarah, when did you realize you were black? Meaning not <laughs> but like experience, real talk. Cause you can grow up. I know friends who grew up in all white neighborhoods and you know, they have, they have a comfortable situation around them and then some, something might happen and they realize, Oh shit. Yeah. This is, yeah. So like in the summer, I would get really dark and mm. people would always be like, is that your child? Or like, did she, did she go to Jamaica? Or I'm like, <laughs> I used to laugh about that. But then when I was in club growing up, I want to say like 14, I got called the N word on the field. And that was mm. like the first time I had like a real, like, Whoa, yes. this is crazy. But yeah, I mean, and, you know, that's the great thing about for me for soccer is that soccer taught me about racism. When I was 11 years old, I, I got called a nigga on the field. And that woke me up to real life. I'm growing up in an all black neighborhood. You already get experienced to a different culture, unless it's like teachers in school, police officers, people of authority. But being playing in the suburbs and playing amongst different nationalities, you get to realize, oh, shoot, you know, this is the real world that we live in. And, um, you know, that makes you grow up a little bit faster. It makes you see the world a little bit quicker. And, um, you know, how was how difficult was you was it for you to be um, in the black culture and play soccer amongst your peers? If that makes any sense to you? Yeah, no, like it wasn't difficult for me just because like I didn't see myself differently just because I wasn't raised to see myself differently. My parents, my parents didn't tell me I was black first mm -hmm. of all. Mm -hmm. I just like met my birth mom and she was like, yeah, like you're. You know, so yeah. I didn't know what I was mixed with to start with. So I never saw myself differently besides like comments like, oh, you're darker than your family. Yeah. Um. So like I and being in a white community, like I had black friends, but like there weren't a lot of black people around. But it, it's as I got older that I like, you know, just would naturally was drawn to black culture, being around black people okay. and obviously like finding out my ethnicity, my background, mm -hmm. you know, like when you're adopted it's like this whole question of your identity you don't really know where you fit in what you are especially when you look different than your parents Definitely. so um yeah that, that's always been like a difficult thing for me to navigate wow uh, gooch i had no idea bro i tell you we're, we're peeling layers of the onions away right now <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure there's gonna be more before we finish this episode i'm sure we only gonna get dirt down and dirty in, in in the grid of it. So, hey, did you guys hear about? Um, you know, I'm an Arsenal fan, so you know, Arsenal. We just had a four nil victory yesterday, um, beating the uh, uh, bees. What the team name? Slavia Prague. Slavia Prague, right? <laughs> and they had an issue. Um, the previous Europa, uh, they faced the Rangers, and one of the players walked over to Kamara and called him the N word, and said a racial slur. And I just found out that that player got 10 games banned. Um, is it from the league or is it did you from the league as, as a whole, right? No, from a whole, yeah. And he, he did, he didn't, it wasn't the, you know, the N-word. His exact words were, you are a fucking monkey. You know you, you are. Monkey. That's what he said in his ear. Because mm -hmm. they got close and it was some kind of, I think it was a scuff or a foul. And he and the dude, Candela uh, from Slavic Prague, whispered that in his ear. And the fact that, uh, go ahead, what are you going to say? No, I mean, my issue is that if I heard 10 games, I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, hold on, 10 games? Yeah. 
what happened to no games. what happened to no tolerance and we just yeah, spoke that's... about kind of like eradicating and, and really making a statement right and and the cop getting arrested and if he's if he's not fined and if he's not suspended for the whole year what it's, are you really it's... saying about that that issue yeah that's what i'm saying it's, it seems like everyone and this is you know even society football where everyone wants to as we said before, everyone wants to put the meme and the, the things on Twitter and the, the slogans and all that stuff um, on and say that they're, they want to stop racism and, and all that stuff. But once it's in your, once it's, once it's headed in your direction, once it's right there for you to make a change, it doesn't happen. FIFA had a perfect, perfect. And the thing is, we didn't even talk about this. He was found guilty. This was yes. nothing. This was they not a, they investigated it. He was found guilty. And UEFA still said it's only a 10-game thing. Bro. How is that possible? They've always had opportunities to nip things in the bud, but they so always this, this wasn't this wasn't in the crowd. This wasn't just trying to, you know, find they couldn't find people who did it. So they fined the club a thousand pounds because they, they couldn't find the, the you, culprits. You know what this what, what what that 10 game ban highlighted was their importance of what he did. Right? They think that him calling a black person the n-word is comparable to a 10 match ban that's the importance they put on because if they believe their words of zero tolerance and racism they'd be like he's done for the year or he's done for two years or the club's out of this competition because that is what they're saying no to racism meaning zero tolerance no means no not uh maybe or a little bit or 10 games like I don't get it. it for me, hey, it's, hey, listen, it's frustrating. Gooch, I'm going to say it because it's real. If he would have said, if he would have called him, um, you know, a word that was like, you know, about his gender, he would have been suspended for the whole, for the whole year. If he would have said he's homosexual, if he would have said he's gay, if he would have said something like that, because that community doesn't play that. You know, that community does not play that. I don't care what you do. If you go against, if you say something that's that that's uh, against or deterred against that community, they are not playing that. They are protesting. They are stopping situations. They are going to the higher board. And I think that we can't even worry about the player. We have to find and suspend the team. Because if the owner's pockets don't get affected, this thing will continue. You think if the owner got uh, got fined or if that team got relegated because of that, that they would have a no tolerance on that in that club? That they will play even think about that. That would be a class, and that would be part of preseason of making sure you do not do something like that. Yeah, so but you have to put pressure on the owners. Yeah, and the thing is, I guarantee, and I'm and I'm not, and I don't know this for sure. I don't know this is a fact, but I guarantee his own club didn't even find him. This is a this is a UEFA ban. This is not a. This is not Slavic Prague said. Okay, you got 10, 10, 10 matches. This is a UEFA band. but I guarantee he went back to his club and he was applauded by his teammates, <laughs> by his owner, by his 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 the all the people above him because they were they were all in they were all in agreement with him. Yes, they the had fan, nothing to the say. Fans, the fans in the comments were like, oh, they were praising him. They were saying, you know, they were so they were uh, happy. Next time, have, uh, next time, be more discreet. <laughs> 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 But no, it's crazy. It's crazy. If we, the 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 one organization body in in our sport that we all love, if they can't put a chair or, or put a a stamp on 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 racism in our in our sport, it's never going to change. Because those are the people that can make that. They, those are the people that make the decisions. And the final, 
end of it all, if it's a coach, if it's a player, if it's a team, if it's a fan, whatever, those that governing body, that those 10 people in that room, those are the ones that make the decision as far as far as the, the, the rules of FIFA. If they don't, if they don't see us as see it as a problem, how's it gonna change? Answer that question. Sarah, in your professional career, have you ever seen anything or heard anything similar to this story? Honestly, no. That like nobody in our league would say some shit like that. No. No. Well, that's, well, that's good. That's good to know. Yeah. 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 But you know, women women are a little bit more. You know, we're, we're not going to go out and say some stuff like that, especially with what's going on in the world. No one's going to do that. But you try to say women are smarter, basically. I didn't want to say. That. <laughs> <laughs> that's the reality. That's the reality, man. Well, that's good. I mean, like that just means like how much further behind in terms of our thoughts <laughs> that we are than the women's league. Like, I can definitely say I've seen it. I've I've experienced been, it. I've experienced it myself. <laughs> um, um, but to say for you, like, nah, that that that, that would never oh, fly. That, even, that's even, professional level now. Right. Even if they thought it, they would never act on it, right? Um, and that that needs to be the case. I, I, do I think that there are racist people in sport and soccer? Hell yeah. Keep that to yourself. That's you know it. what I mean? <laughs> Keep it to yourself. Like, I don't care how you feel. Don't express your your feelings on the on the sports landscape, right? It's, it's it just, but it's just showing over and over again that it's tolerable. That's all it's showing. It's exactly. showing that it's that's it's it's okay. Like okay, if I say something racist to someone, oh, I get a ten match ban, but I'll still get paid. Mm-hmm. I, I'll be I'll be back in the team next week or not next week, but in ten ten matches, which probably what two and a half months, maybe three months, depending on the game schedule, and I'm back playing, and that's it. Mm-hmm. There's no year ban. There's no ban for life. There's no is Bad it, for the it's team. The same thing for the police. It's like, yeah, hey, you, you're gone for a month and then you get to yep. come back in and work again after shooting a black person. So, yep. Sarah, the top six out of the top 10 draft picks this year were black. Can you see the face of U.S. soccer being a black female? I think the face of U.S. soccer already should be a black female with Crystal Dunn. But yes, I absolutely do. I feel like the game is changing. I'll see Gotham FC. They have so much culture Sisters, on the team. Yeah. So I, I do. I mean, the game, especially here in the U.S., it's fast paced, it's transition, and I mean, we can all keep up with it. You know, we definitely bring that. So I absolutely see the landscape changing here. Yeah. Talk about fast. I think she's faster than you, Bees. I keep it real with you. She is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even. I don't even want to race, Kristen. <laughs> I'd be like, yo, you win. I'm good. I'm talking about Sarah. Oh, Sarah. Oh, no, I can be Sarah. I ain't worried about Sarah. You can't be me. You can't be me. <laughs> I like Shots that. Fire. I like pew, that. Pew, like pew, that. pew, 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 pew. time. That's what's up. But, but, um, you, know, you guys, uh, the Challenge Cup, explain to me, because I know obviously last year with the situation, you had the bubble in Utah, but the Challenge Cup, is there going to be a season afterwards? Because explain to me what, what exactly was going on with that. We have a 24-game regular season after the Challenge Cup. So, yeah, I I didn't know that they didn't even announce that. But, yeah, we're planning on having a full season and, like, ending the end of November. So what was the reason of doing the Challenge Cup and not just doing a full season? I think that they thought that a tournament-style play is fun. It gets fans engaged, honestly. Well, I'm glad you said that because we have uh, a, a segment called that we'd be happy to hear from you. 
Nah, uh, we have a segment called. You push the wrong. You push the wrong button. Push the wrong button. <laughs> we have this. You have a segment called. Oh my goodness! He gets nervous. He gets nervous. Don't worry about it. Hey, listen, man. It's it's, it's, it's called edit, brother. It's called edit, and we we keep oh, it real man. here. We keep it real here. This man pushed the wrong button. Oh man! <laughs> shoot me, shoot me. We have a segment called. Say what? What? And uh, oh, we have a, a gentleman, uh, Draymond Green, who uh, plays for. The Warriors, an NBA player, and he's been very vocal about the equal pay. And he came out on Twitter and also uh, in an interview saying that he's tired of women's sports complaining. And uh, I want you to hear what he had to say and why he's saying that they need to stop complaining. But no one puts the money towards the marketing of women. So as great as Diana Taurasi is, you don't know her story because these companies don't put money towards marketing women. So then if they don't put money towards marketing women, the revenue never grows and it falls on deaf ears and it comes off as a complaint because no one's going to act on it. So if no one acts on it it's and you keep saying the same thing over and over, it's going to come off as a complaint as opposed to holding these people accountable that say we support women. Women Empowerment this. We're doing all of these things for Women Empowerment Month, but they don't put their money behind it. Gooch. <laughs> Gooch, of course. So <laughs> that, that was a long, actually, that speech, he had an interview and it was like eight minutes long. And the premise behind it was that the NBA or women's sports in general were complaining, he used the word complaining about the um, discrepancy in pay, right? The NBA players get much more money than the WNBA players, but they put in the same amount of work. Um, I think that his intention, I hope, was good. I think his delivery was poor. Um, you know, yeah, his oh, delivery. I, 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 I see Sarah itching to answer this question. <laughs> she'll get it. She'll, she'll, she'll get it. Itching. I think I, I personally believe his delivery was bad. I think his intentions were good. Basically, saying that you got to put foot to the fire. Like these people, like hold them accountable. If they're saying that, just like we were saying, if uh, UEFA or FIFA say that they're with the black people, then show it. Don't give them a 10, 10 match ban. Do something significant. Like if these companies are saying that they're with women's sports and equality, then put their foot to the fire and, and, and have something tangible come out of it, not just the words. I think that him saying that it's just complaining and complaints is dumb because complaining is the same thing as a grievance or a protest or objection or disdain. And it falls under the same realm of like the police brutality, right? Against minorities or marginalized groups. Like we're voicing our complaints, which we have every right to because it's wrong. Um, we're uh, making the objection towards it. So I think him holding weight on the word complaint, it's, of course it's a complaint, it's wrong. Like, are they, are they supposed to sit down and be like, okay, you know? Um, I think he was more focused on there being action instead of just words. And it came out very foolish. <laughs> but that's my opinion on it. What, what about you? Me? Yeah, you. <laughs> well, what he was saying wasn't wrong. <laughs> like, I, and I feel like I've had this conversation so many times. Like, a lot of brands like to be like, equality, this, that, the big brands that we all wear. And yet, like, they're not doing anything to actually make a difference and they have the money to be doing so. So I agree with that. But at the same time, it's the same thing as 
as fighting for racial injustice, we need them too. Like you can't just expect women to hold people accountable. We need men to also be speaking publicly about this, holding these companies accountable because men have the leverage, men have the money, men have everything that we're trying to get. So it's like, you can't, like you said before, you can't just expect the oppressed group of people to make the change. Like we need men as well. So, but, but what it said is right. Like at the end of the day, companies aren't putting money into women's sports at anywhere near the same rate as they're putting money into men's sports. Obviously you're not going to see a return on it. Like there's nothing there to return. So I'm, I'm, I'm tired of seeing the arguments. I mean, I want change to happen. I'm not sure how we can go about holding, you know, holding big companies accountable for their messages when they, they say that they, they want these things. But I mean, it's, it's the same, it's the same thing, really. It's really the same thing. Yeah. I just, I think that, um, you know, from, I don't want to use the word insensitive because I don't think he was insensitive, but it, it just seemed like, because with, with men, because he even if you, I mean, I looked on his Twitter and I read, you know, his his, his stream. I think he's called it, it the stream of tweets or whatever you call it. Um, and uh, you know, he brought up the you know LeBron. Even you know, brought up you know even Michael Jordan before basketball was even big. And you know, Michael Jordan did it, but it was easy for. I mean, they didn't have to. Men didn't have to ask. Jordan had to ask you know Nike or someone to be like, hey, I'm Michael Jordan. Tell my story. You know what I'm saying? It, they just they just did it. You know what I'm saying? It was easy for for Draymond Green to come into um to the Warriors. Not not saying it's, it's up there. I'm talking about as far as like, you know, putting money into the NBA and putting money in, into him and putting money into his endorsements because he is a part of NBA. He didn't have to go out and tell these these companies like, hey, I'm Draymond Green. Tell my story. It's already there. It's, it's already there. You know what I'm saying? So you kind of get what I'm saying? Like, it, it's, it was, I'm not saying I don't want to use the word easy because then it'll be like, oh, well, you know, I worked hard to get here. Yes, we all did. We all worked hard to get to where where we are. And he, I'm sure he he did. I'm not saying I'm sure he did as well. But this is like, it all comes with NBA or even with NFL, all these sports with men. It, ju- it just comes with the territory. And But then now he's telling women to go out there and say, well, you got to do this for me. You got to do that for me. You got to do that for me. And when it, it didn't happen that way for him. Does that make sense? Am I am I getting my point across kind of? Yes, you are. Okay, that's that's what I'm saying. So I mean I don't I don't want to use the word insensitive, but I just think his word choice, like Goose said, was a little bit off on that. But you know, but that's I, what I, I think. I think he's trying to be harsh because he's saying that we keep on talking about the same thing over and over again. I think Sarah feels the same way. It's like, you know, you know, we have to do something about it, right? And we have to kind of take it in our own hands because the, the oppressor, the people who we can't look to men to make that change, you know? And um, to me, I think it has, it has to start with women's soccer. I think we're, women's soccer is a, a beautiful, attractive game. Uh, I think, you ha- we, to be honest, I think we have the most marketable women um, you know, when you look at a basketball player, a woman, you know, she's, she's sort of tall and that's not the average woman. A, a soccer player, even though she's fit, um, she has the height, she has the weight, she has the look of a common um, female. So I think a lot of uh, fans can re- can relate, and I think they can help the trans transition in terms of marketing, right? And I think that, um, but you know, when do we start? When do we kind of make a difference? When do we kind of stamp and say we have to figure it out? Because it's been a while now, 
And to keep it real with you, with the climate of financially, what's going on in sports, I think the NWSL, you know, is not in the clear in terms of being secure that they're going to last for another 10 years. You know, um, Sarah, I look at your roster, you don't have a lot of Europeans on there. And I remember when the NWSL first started, the best players from Europe were coming to America to really get a chance to play in the best league in America. And with WSL starting, I think NWSL has a, you know, has a lot of competition and something to worry about, you know, in terms of marketing as the best league in the world and getting the attention and also playing and having the best players in the world. Do you think that if, do you, do you see that that migration of U.S. national team players going overseas, and as well as the top Europeans not coming in? Do you think that has an effect on the league? Well, you know, I was just going to say that you have seen a bunch of national team players go over to that league, um, and not as many of, of those players come to our league. And it, it is a, it, it's a different game, honestly. Like as mm. I said before, our game is much more transitional. You know, running athletic physical, exactly. Um, and their league is much more technical, tactical. And so there are like, you need both, you need balance as a player. Mm -hmm. So of course, beneficial to, to be in both leagues at some point in your career. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm, I'm that worried about it. I think it'll, I want our league to be secure. That's, that's my biggest concern, like you said. Um, but as far as which league is the best in the world, I mean, I think it'll, it, it'll go back and forth, but I don't really know, honestly. Yeah. Would you ever would you ever want to play in Europe? Have you ever aspirations to move to Europe and play and live and I mean I wouldn't be opposed. I, but I'm one of those people where it's like I not not that I fly by the seat of my pants or whatever that saying is, but I'm like, go with the flow. You know, I like whatever the universe brings to me, you know, I'll think about it, make the best decision. But no, I'm not opposed to anything, honestly. Uh -huh. So, so the universe brought on this whole modeling career of yours and you growing up an athlete, I'm, I'm assuming you are a tomboy. How comfortable are you in front of this camera and taking pictures and getting all done up and stuff like that? Is that your MO or? Is, or Yo, is that's my MO. Honestly, if anyone follows my Instagram, it's like selfie central, but I, I actually started modeling because my salary when I was a rookie was so low. I'm like, awesome. Yo, I, I can't make a living and mm. I can't bring home anything for my son like this. So that's why I started modeling. But yeah, that's like, that. that's, that's my alter ego. Like I like being that get dressed up, get, get ready, you know, Pasha fierce. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, I just want to let you know, you are not the only model. Oh, um, <laughs> in this I group, even, I can't even laugh. My jaw hurt. You're the, you're the only model in this group. Oh, I want man. to let you know oh, man. that Demarcus Beasley has been modeling for years before you. Shut up. You know. Okay. Okay, man. All right, you need to stop sharing your screen, buddy. And right. then I just want to let you know that uh, you know um, Gucci Anyewu, another person, you know who. Who was a big time model? Don't get it twisted, right? You don't act like you know you don't you you ain't the only sexy person up in this place. You know what I mean? I'll tell you what, I ain't. Oh my lord! You ain't the only sexy person up in this place. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I love it. I love it when Mookie does things off the cusp and we don't know about it. No idea. Yeah. <laughs> look, look, look! I was never signed to no agency. All right, so we on different levels, right? I'm Groupon, and she's over here getting like ah, premiums over these there, dudes you know? within sports illustrated all type of situation the gucci's in italy on the you runway you, you should have showed beats one drinking out the water fountain 
Hey, 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 hey. Oh, it was poor. That wasn't me. That was Landon. That wasn't me. I can't handle any more of those. That wasn't me. That was back, that was back in my fire days. So, no, no, that wasn't me. <laughs> but, but Sal, listen, maybe just want to say thank you so much for coming on to The Crack. This is somebody that I'm so glad to know a little bit more about you. Um, I don't believe you could tell a person's character and who they really are through social media. And, um, you know, I just want to say what the things you've been doing and the fight. Um, please continue it, and hopefully you have three other people who will support you. And if you have anything you have, ever need or anything you ever, uh, we can find a way to come to Chicago and, and be a part of your foundations, the giveaways, anything you guys are doing. Um, you know, we, we want to definitely be there for you. So uh, we just want to say thank you again and, and good luck in your season. And thank you, uh, thank and you guys for having me. Oh, I got one no more question problem. though. I'm the uh, one more question guy. Uh, what's up with that sneaker connect? Because I see your sneaker game is crazy. Ooh. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> connect is on the other side bring, of the Bring room. him over here. Bring him over here. Bring him, in. Bring him into the ring. Bring him into the ring. Yay, Sherry. Yay, Sherry. <laughs> I, I might see him in New York one day. I'm going to run up for him, though. But, you know, <laughs> it, it's all love, Sarah. Again, um, stay healthy, stay safe, and uh, much love. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it, Sarah. Peace. There you have it, Sarah Gordon. I knew he was gonna bring. I knew he was gonna bring up the shit, the uh, the sneaker connect. I knew it. I knew I'll it. Do it I, knew, I, had, I had a feeling he was gonna say. I knew. I'll tell feeling. you what, Mookie, you just you just started a war that I don't think that you're gonna be able to finish with them. Pictures. But hit the problem though. The whole world, not the whole world, but that's in the that's that's in Google. I'm just the world saying, knows about it already. I'm just saying. Next time you, know you got you got to give screen sharing to all of us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to blaze your ass. <laughs> Oh, that's right. He can only do it on his. Oh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Oh, that's true. That's true. Man. Oh, that is, that is true. That is hilarious, man. But you know, um, the conversations, right, about equality, um, payment situations for for obviously for the women athletes. Um, there's so much things that I think that uh, we have to keep on speaking about, and we have to keep on fighting for. And, you know, this is a, a very interesting time that we're living in. And uh, I definitely want to look back at this time and, and say to myself, I was a person who was active, wasn't a person that was passive, man. And I think that, uh, you know, being next to you two guys who uh, I get a chance to speak to definitely helps me and gives me some type of therapy, man. And hopefully that the listeners, um, I know this conversation hopefully continues. And then um, also, you know, we hope it helps you guys as well, you know. All right, and if, if anyone knows how to how to uh, uh, take away uh, wisdom teeth pain, please let me know. Drop me, <laughs> drop me a line because my jaw is killing me right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's crazy. I've never heard anybody take all four out. And never At once. At once. Not in the first At world once. country. You know what I mean? Gooch, <laughs> please take us away. Yo, another serious conversation. A lot of stuff has been happening in our country. A civil unrest that we thought was over. It's still pushing. There's a lot of injustices that are still occurring. And just like we said in the episode, we're find, trying to find a way to address it and to, to solve the problem. Because there is a problem, right? And the more conversations like this that we have, and the more diverse group of people that we have on this show, like Sarah or anybody else for that matter, it's going to bring awareness, and, and, and I'm confident that, that our generation has the ability to, to make a, a substantial change in the issues that, that have been plaguing this uh, society. So, you know, this is, uh, 
concludes another episode of The Crack. Remember to follow us, comment, rate us, all that stuff, right? Because that's the only way that we're going to keep on giving you the fire. And uh, he's coming through with his uh, his swollen jaws and such. So. <laughs> <laughs> and bees, bees, what do you tell him? So, so what? All right. What I miss? <laughs> Peace. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.